0: needs go home by the way of the cross there's no
1: tuning in to our services here at Gospel Baptist Church in Bonita Springs, and this is Easter. This is Resurrection Sunday. I'm sure this is not how most people planned on spending Easter, but I still believe that we can worship God and still hear from Him this morning. This coronavirus has definitely threw everyone for a loop. It's put everything on hold, at least it seems like. And there's been some restrictions, no doubt, in all of our lives about things we can do and places we can go and activities we can participate in. And really just everything slowed down, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a great time that we can use it to get closer to our families, maybe have some conversations that we don't normally get to have, spend some time with each other that we don't normally get to. And ultimately, too, we get this time where we can really seek God and get closer to Him as well. And I hope that this message today will be an encouragement to you, and will do just that. It'll get you closer to God. We're going to go ahead and pray, and we'll look into the Word for a few moments. Lord, thank You for the opportunity, once again, to open up Your Word and to preach it. And we ask that as this message goes out, literally all over the world, that people would hear it, and they would respond uh, to the message of Jesus Christ, and that lives would be changed because of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now the coronavirus, it's something that we just talked about. It's shaken all of our lives up. And there's a lot of thoughts and there's a lot of ideas about the coronavirus and how it started and what is the whole purpose of it. And it is a big, or I should say there are many conspiracy theories about the coronavirus and the purpose of it. Here's a few of them. Most people believe and they think that it came from some guy in China eating a bat. That may be true. I'm not exactly sure. Some have a conspiracy theory and they think it was developed in a lab to kill off the older population and to thin the population of the world down. Some people, they have a conspiracy theory about the whole thing that it is just a hoax being used to hunt down sex offenders, child abusers. I mean, I've heard everything. Another one is that there's a vaccine by the government that the government actually has for this disease, but they're withholding it from the people. I looked all these up recently. Another one, which is a popular one as well, they believe that COVID-19 is a, is a bioweapon that was unleashed by China to hurt Americans because our President Donald Trump is trying to take away a lot of the manufacturing from the U.S. And no matter what pandemic happens, no matter what really almost anything that happens, people come up with the idea of conspiracies. Here's some other very popular conspiracies that people talk about, and they come up often. The moon landing. There's always one guy that we know that thinks that the moon landing, that it was fake, that really it didn't happen. It was just in a Hollywood studio somewhere, and you can tell by a little detail here and there that it was fake and it was a sham. People really believe that. Uh, Some people believe that the earth is flat. By the way, the Bible does tell us that the earth is on a sphere, so I'm going to stick with the Bible. But they believe the earth is flat. They think the moon, we never went to the moon, we've never really been in outer space, and uh, they've got a whole different theory. It's kind of interesting to look at, but definitely a conspiracy. The JFK assassination, they believe it was something created by uh, the government, the CIA, 9-11 was another big one. They believe that it wasn't just a terrorist attack, that the government had some part in it. It always kind of comes with the government for some reason but uh, that the government had some bombs and they put them in the, in the tower. As soon as the plane hit, it started to uh, explode and whatnot. You've probably heard it all. Area 51 is a real popular one that's been talked about recently. And Millennials all over the country have talked about on social media about storming Area 51 in Nevada to go find some aliens and UFOs that the government's trying to hide from us. And another one is the suicide of, Jeffrey Epstein. Now that one, maybe of all of them, I probably believe that he didn't kill himself. That one I probably will stick with. But conspiracy theories, really, they are nothing new. Nothing new at all. Really, there has been conspiracy theories since the dawn of time, since man was put into existence. The first one that we see that's recorded in the Bible, I believe, is found in Genesis with Adam and Eve. The conspiracy was that the devil convinced Adam and Eve that God was withholding something good from them. It was a conspiracy. About 2,000 years ago, there was another big conspiracy that people, even to this day, some of them believe that it is still a conspiracy. Matthew 27, starting in verse number 62, says this, Now on the next day that followed the day of preparation, this, by, by the way, is right after... The death of Jesus. Now, the next day that followed, the day of preparation, the tre- chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, After three days I will rise again. I'm going to pause there just for a moment. Don't you think it's hilarious? At least I do. think it's a little bit funny that the unsaved and the wicked pay more attention to what Jesus said than his own followers sometimes do. You see, all his followers at that time, they were all moping around, thinking that Jesus is dead and that all their hope is gone. But even the people who were not for his message, some of them even understood what Jesus was saying, that he was going to rise from the dead. Verse 64 says, Commanded therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make sure, make it sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. They were worried that somebody was going to go in there, one of his followers was, was going to go and steal the body of Christ, and that word would get out, and it would really unleash the message of Jesus that he was yet again alive and alive that he really truly was the Messiah. And of course, we really do know that that did happen. Now, we're going to jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is where a group of Corinth believers, they were involved in some false doctrine. Many of the people, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes the book of Corinth really to address many of the issues that they have, this being one of them, but they had doubt. And I do find it interesting, by the way, when people get into sin, they begin to doubt. If you're into sin right now, and I'm talking about into deep, continual sin, you probably are facing some doubts about maybe Christianity, maybe about the resurrection that these people had, many other things about their faith in general. But when people doubt, when people are indulging in sin, many times it leads them to doubt. And this was the case here. These people, they were engrossed in sin. There was jealousy, envy, division, immorality. Immorality, that was even worse than what the heathen and the pagan people would do. And, of course, there there was false doctrine. They had problems. They had problems. Here's what it says in verse number 12 through 19 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. But if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins then they also which are asleep in Christ are perished. If, this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. There are seven ifs that Paul writes in this section of Scripture. We're going to look at those for a little, for a little while. The first one, Paul's saying really in verse number 12, he says, how is it possible for the preaching of the gospel to happen and to get preached to you And you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. He says, if there's not a resurrection, he puts it plain. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Now, I'm sure in Corinth, the gospel was probably preached regularly. These people were definitely into sin, but I'm sure that the gospel was preached, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again. And here at our church, Gospel Baptist Church, it's the same thing. Gospel is literally in every single thing that we do. I mean, it's even in our name, Gospel Baptist Church, which simply means good news. Good news, Baptist Church. It's a testimony to what we are about. You can't even step foot on Gospel Baptist Church or drive by our church without knowing we are all about the gospel. Now, maybe everybody doesn't know what that means, but simply by our name, nothing less, we know that we are about the gospel. Everything we do is about the good news of Jesus Christ and how he came to die for sinners, and that he was buried, and that he rose again. Many people, they're, they're upset and a little discouraged, and I don't blame them by any means, about us not having a Resurrection Sunday gathering or an Easter gathering at our church. But you know what? For Christians, for us, every day is like Easter. Every day we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. You don't have to come to Gospel Baptist Church just on Easter to hear about the empty tomb. It is through out everything that we do. It is woven into every ministry and every opportunity that we get to preach and teach people. It is in everything. You know what? Many churches, it's not that way. You come to any event and it's all about Jesus died, he was buried, and then he rose again. You come to any at gospel and that's what it's about. You come Sunday morning. You come to Sunday school. It's about Jesus and Jesus being resurrected. Sunday morning, Sunday night, even Wednesday night. And let's talk about special activities, the Owana Fair. We have hundreds of people and families come from our community to be involved in our a fall festival or our Owana Fair, but we always make it a point to preach the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and that he rose again. Even at our Joe Mullins and the Radio Ramblers a bluegrass concert that we put out, we take time to preach the gospel to the people. Why do we do that? Some people say, well, don't you think that's a little excessive? Don't you think it's a little excessive that we have to preach the gospel? No, no, it is not at all because Jesus Christ did rise from the dead and that is what Christianity is all about. But it's not that way everywhere. A while back, I went to a a Methodist church for a graduation of a young person and it happened to be on a Saturday night and they were having their Saturday night uh, evening worship service. And so Heather and I went there and we sat through the service, and of course, they had a time where they recognized the young people who were graduating, and it was a wonderful time. But after that, they continued on with their worship service just like normal. And in that auditorium, there was, there was families, there was grandmothers, there was grandpas, there was aunts and uncles, because they'd all come together to witness this graduation. And so there was an opportunity at that moment for that minister of the Methodist Church to preach to these people something that could help them eternally. And although he had this opportunity, we sat through the service and he talked a whole lot about doing things for God, but he never got to the point that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the gospel. So for about an hour and a half, I sat through that service waiting for this minister to talk about the gospel and about the resurrection of Jesus, but it didn't happen. And I went out of there stunned, and, I, and, and I'm not surprised that probably many of those people that were sitting in there don't believe about the resurrection because they never get preached to about the resurrection. But I left there, and I'm kicking myself because I probably should have said, I want to go up to the man, the preacher, and just say, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. That's what we got. Preach the gospel. Maybe you're here today, or you're listening, I should say, today, and you're thinking, well, my church doesn't preach the gospel that often. Get out of that church and find a church that does preach the gospel. Hey, if you come to Gospel Baptist Church, you are going to get the gospel this morning in this message, many times I've already mentioned about the gospel. If you live in Bonita Springs, Florida, or you live in Estero, Naples, Fort Myers, if you come to Gospel Baptist Church, you're going to get the gospel. But if you're somewhere else throughout the world or throughout the U.S., hey, and if you're going to a church that is not preaching the gospel regularly and it's not the main focus of what they're doing, get out of that church and find a church that is preaching the gospel. You may say, well, those churches that preach the gospel like you, many of them, they don't have all the amenities that some of these other places have. And they don't have the big youth center like the one I want for my, my kids and my uh, my kids and my teenagers. You say, well, uh, they look a little bit run down. They may be a little run down. And they may not be as big as everybody else by majority. And they may not have every little thing that you can think of and every little activity and amenity, but they have something special. It's a diamond in the rough. I think about Jesus talking about the the treasure in the field, the parable of the man. It was just a field, but he found something special in that field, and he was willing to give everything he had to be able to get the treasure that was in it. And so if you're part of a church that's not preaching the gospel, get out of that church and get a part of one that is emphasizing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now in Corinth, The gospel was being preached, but there were still people there who did not believe in the resurrection, which is shocking. So there's people that are listening to me at this moment, and there's people that on a regular basis, I'm sure, that come into Gospel Baptist Church, that they hear about the gospel and Jesus' resurrection, but yet they still don't believe. How is that possible? Well, here is what Paul says. We're going to look in verse number 14. His idea here is if Jesus is dead... And there is no resurrection. We have no purpose. Verse 14 says, And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he hath raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. The preaching, our preaching, is in vain. And if Christ be not risen, then your preaching is in vain. Vain means empty. It's of none effect. It's just a big waste of time. And everything that we do here at the gospel is about the gospel. And if everything that we preach about here is about the gospel, and and if Jesus truly was dead, then we are literally wasting our time. Many of our members, we take a stack of tracks every week, and we try to go and pass those things out in our community. And if you live in Bonita Springs, Florida, Florida or Estero, you probably have gotten one of those tracks. I think I got three or four myself. But it takes time, it takes effort to be able to carry those with you and place them in a number of different areas so people can find them. That's a waste. We spend a lot of money in our bus ministry, gear, cranking up our buses week after week to go out in our communities and pick up young people. But if Jesus is dead and he really didn't rise from the grave, then it's been a big old waste of time. and It's been a waste of money. If Jesus is not risen, then every single week when we meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, it's just a big old waste of time. If Jesus is not risen from the grave, I'll be the first person to quit my job and go buy a boat and go fishing on Sunday like everybody else does. But He is risen. He is. This whole thing is not a sham. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We'll talk about how we know that in a little while. But we also see here that Faith is vain. If Christ is not risen, then our faith is in vain. If this thing is a whole conspiracy, it's in vain. Have you ever believed something that was not true, and then after finding it out, you were real disheartened about it? When I was a young child, my dad would, when he would take me home from school, many times we'd go up to a stoplight, and we'd be waiting there, and he'd play this little game with me where he told me that he knew when the stoplight was going to change and that he actually had the power to change the stoplight from red to green. And so as a young child for a while, I believed that he could do that because he would sit there at the stoplight and he'd say, when I snap my fingers, the light's going to change. And I'd sit there and I'd look at the light like a deer in headlights and I'd be waiting for it to change and it's red and it's red. And all of a sudden he would snap his fingers and the light would turn green. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. But it wasn't Long before I figured out what he was doing, he was looking in the corner of his eye at the light going the other way in traffic, and he was waiting for it to turn yellow, and he could tell when it would turn green. But it was a little disheartening. He had me tricked. He had me fooled. And many children, they become devastated when they find out their favorite holiday character is somehow not real. And many people, they get disheartened when they have a sports hero that they've idolized and maybe has made progress somewhere. Uh, in their field of athletics, only to find out that that person the whole time has been taking performance-enhancing drugs and has just been a big cheat and a big fake the whole time. It's disheartening. But imagine finding out that the resurrection was not true. Imagine you as a believer in Jesus Christ, what that would do to you. For me, my life's purpose at this moment is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what He has done for me and what he offers to do for everybody who places their faith and trust. So if I all of a sudden found out that Jesus Christ was indeed dead and he did not rise, it would shake believers to their core. It would be similar to what happened to the disciples when Jesus died on the cross. They, they literally went about their lives, back to their old lives, before they met Jesus. But we see also here, our witness would be false. We proclaim Jesus changed our life and made us new, but if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we are all deceived. We are deceived. If we reason through the process that there's no resurrection of the dead, that means that there's no resurrection of Jesus. That means there's no power over death, and we have all been experiencing a big fat lie. Paul says, Paul and the other apostles, they witnessed the resurrection, resurrected Christ. Paul, of course, Uh, on the road to Damascus, but they were witnesses of the resurrected Christ and they were taught by the resurrected Jesus. We today are witnesses not of physically the resurrected Christ, but we are witnesses of what Christ has done and how he has changed our lives and the people and the lives of people around us, which is very powerful, by the way, changed lives. Have you ever met somebody? Uh, who was deep into sin, and then all of a sudden they got saved and their life completely changed. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a something of moral reform. It was something that God did. And sometimes people even say, hey, in order for that to happen, God even would have to do it. I've seen it happen in my own life. But our witness would be false. Number two, first of all, we see that if Jesus was dead, we'd have no purpose. Secondly, if Jesus is dead, then we are still dead in our sins. We are still dead in our sins. I, I like the TV show, The Andy Griffith Show. I like that. And now you probably are all thinking right now, well, how is he 27 years old and likes The Andy Griffith Show? And how did he even hear about it? I thought that was ages ago. It was, but when I was young, it would, be on, it would come on the TV, and it was one of the shows that my parents would uh, let myself and my other siblings watch. And so uh, it's, they always had great storylines. But there was one character in there that was always pretty funny. His name was Otis. Otis. And Otis, he was the town drunk. And Otis, he would go and, of course, in that town, uh, alcohol was banned. But he would always find a still somewhere or buy alcohol, alcohol off of somebody and he would get real drunk. And he would come voluntarily and he would stumble into the jail cell and he would check himself in and he would get into his jail cell, go in there, lock the door, take the key, lock it, and hang the keys on the outside of the jail. And then in the morning when he sobered up and he woke up, he would would wake up, he would open the door to his cell. I'm sorry, he would grab the keys, then he would open the door, put the keys back, come on out and leave. And then later on, he would do the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day. And that's how many Christians live their lives. They live their lives just like Otis from the Andy Griffith show. Jesus has freed us from the bondage of sin. He has broken open the door. But yet we choose to still stay in the jail cell and to come back and visit it and visit it over and over. The door is swung wide open and all we have to do as believers because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is walk out, never to return again. But yet many people voluntarily spend their lives sitting in a jail cell with the door wide open and with the keys in their hand. Jesus. He said to the lame man, he said, take up thy bed and walk. To the blind man, he said, hey, go wash in the pool of Siloam. To the rich young ruler, he said, sell all that you have, give it to the poor and follow me. There was some action that was required. And although Jesus has freed us from sin, he still requires us to do our part. To the sinner, he says, go and sin no more. Jesus has freed us from the prison of sin. All we have to do is walk out. And thirdly, if Jesus is dead, then we have no hope. We have no hope whatsoever. Verse 18 and 19 says, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all, we are of all men most miserable. There's no hope for others. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. By the way, I love to read this. Um, when, I, when I get to uh, talk to people after loved ones pass away. And it says, let me start again. But, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, it's the gospel, Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. If Jesus is dead and has never been resurrected, then there is no hope for the people that we've known and that we've loved. There is no hope that after this life is concluded and and death takes us all, that there is no hope whatsoever. Life is just over. There's no hope for others. Also, there's no hope of the rapture of the church The next verse says in verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Christ is dead. There's no hope of the rapture. We're, We're stuck into this thing until the world ends. Also, there's no comfort in the midst of trouble. There would be no comfort in the midst of trouble. People on a regular basis, maybe not in America so much, but they face persecution. I was shaken when the missionaries that we had come last month, uh, the ones that were going to Myanmar, they were talking about people Throwing rocks at them and persecuting them and threatening their lives and we're going to kill them and that's that's things that that in my mind I think well that was way back when uh, you know a century ago that's persecution like that that happened when you know people were still primitive but we're in the 21st century here but that's not always the case people are facing persecution for their faith in Christ all over the globe even at this moment. If Christ is not risen, then there is no comfort in their pain. Some people have extremely hard lives. I've had a very easy life, and I'll be the first one to tell you that. I have not had a hard life at all. Everything that I have, God has graciously given to me, and I have not had to work extremely hard for what I've got. God has just done that for me. But there are some people that have really hard lives. The death of young children. Hard. Couldn't imagine it the death of family members, financial ruin, betrayal from people that they love. I like verse 18, what it says, it sums it up about comfort. He says in First Thessalonians four eighteen, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hey, we have hope. If we believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. We have hope for our loved ones. We have hope that Jesus is coming again. We can comfort one another with these words. As we finish up, verse 20-23, through 23, back in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead. What he says, he, he takes a pause from all those things that he, that he was saying about, if Christ is dead, if Christ is dead, if Christ be not risen. And now he switches to positively, but now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the firstfruits of them that, Slept. How do we know that Jesus is alive? How do we know today that Jesus was really resurrected? Well, number one, the authority of the Word of God. Historically, the Bible has been proven true over and over and over again. Scientifically, the Bible has been true. And so when I come and I read the entire Bible up into the Gospels, and I believe it's true, and historically and scientifically, I know that it's true and that it has been preserved and that there's no contradiction in it, when I get to the part about the resurrection, I take it for what it says. But not only that, there was also an empty tomb, which cannot be explained. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who came to the empty tomb, they didn't go and overthrow those two guards that were there that were trained soldiers. They did not do that. They were not capable of doing that. The resurrected Christ was seen by over 500 people at one time. How about this? The 12 apostles, they gave their lives for what they saw. Why would they give their life for something that didn't really happen? Do you think that when they were being tortured, when they were going to be beheaded, do you think that they would have said, okay, hey, all right, time out, you win. This whole thing was a joke. We were just trying to, you know, mess with the government and the economy and everybody, and we were just trying to pull a big joke on everybody. They probably would have done that, but no, they took it to the death. And many of the other followers, of course, that saw the resurrected resurrected Christ. And also, we know that Christ is resurrected by the lives that have been changed because of what He has done. Verse 21 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after they that are Christ at His coming. Because of the resurrection of Christ." Here's what we have. We have purpose. We have freedom from sin. We have hope of eternal life, but we also have the expectation of the resurrection of our bodies as well. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, each one of our earthly bodies here are going to be raised up From the dead, and they're not going to be in this corruptible form that gets old and has aches and pains and deteriorates. It's going to be a brand new body for eternity with no trouble at all. But that is only for the people who believe in the gospel. What is the gospel? We've talked about it all today. It's a belief that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Do you believe that? If you do, you can be saved today. How do you do it? The Bible makes it very simple and very clear. Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, he was buried and he rose again, all you have to do is confess the Lord with your mouth, saying that you believe it and you will be saved. Today is the day that people all around the world celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a time that we can look specifically on what He has done for us, but it's not something that's limited just to this day. It's something that, that permeates the heart of the believer day after day for the rest of his life. I don't think about the resurrection just on Easter. I think about it every moment of every day. Thankful to God that He was willing to, to be a sacrifice for us. And if we simply, in faith, put our trust in Him, repentance, or repentance towards God, and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we can be saved. I'm thankful for the resurrection this morning, as I hope you are as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for a few moments we were able to...
0: If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida,